You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. everybody this is victoria your dog guru and today we have a very special guest dr patricia mcconnell is joining us and she'll be joining us on the phone so i'm very excited to have her she's written a ton of books you can find her at patriciamcconnell.com and her newest book is called the education of will and so we'll be discussing that with her today if you haven't checked out her site i encourage you to do that because there's a ton of great information that not only inspired me but dog lovers and animal people around the world. So if you like this show, you'll definitely like her books. So everybody knows how excited I am to have Dr. Patricia McConnell joining us this morning. And here she is without further ado. And she's got a new book out called The Education of Will. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. Thanks for having me. What fun. I'm so excited. I found out you actually uh, really enjoy broadcasting. So and you have a blog, I found out. And I just keep slowly finding more and more trails back to you. Um, if anybody's interested in finding out more about Patricia, you can find her on patriciamcconnell.com, which will be in the show notes. So tell me about your amazing book. Oh, thank you for asking. And by the way, I should just note parenthetically that the reason I enjoy broadcasting is I don't have to worry about my hair. <laughs> Uh, I so love much the better honesty. Than television. <laughs> oh, here I am. I've got I a just, ponytail. I'm really rocking it today. <laughs> I just got caught, though. I actually went to an interview um, not uh, just a couple of days ago, and I thought it was radio. And I literally was driving there, going like, "Oh, thank heavens!" Because I looked like crap. <laughs> and I got there, and it was tel- it was an hour and a half long television show. Oh no! <laughs> I was like, oh well. And you were well, like, okay. I wasn't ready. I definitely was not ready. <laughs> <laughs> so for everybody out there whose hair looks like mine, radio, hi, radio, hi, love radio. <laughs> so, and thank you for asking about my book, The Education of Will. It is, it's a memoir. It's different than any of the books I've written before, although it has a lot about dogs in it for sure. Mm-hmm. The title really has two meanings. <clears throat> Education of Will, Will is in part about Willie, this, this, crazy border collie puppy I got um, Mm -hmm. who came as just a mess at seven weeks but it's also about willpower and that willpower is not enough to heal you when you are broken as he taught me Mm -hmm. so it's about trauma and in people and dogs it's about um, I have stories about a lot of the dogs I saw as clients I've got a lot of stories about Willie and it's interwoven with my very messy traumatic past Mm-hmm. And how Willie's coming as this messed up puppy actually set me back at first, but forced me to deal with issues that I thought I'd handled. Mm-hmm. You're like, I thought <laughs> I'd sewed had... that up with a bow years ago. Yeah, exactly. But no, it turns out I hadn't. And so I am incredibly grateful to this dog, Willie, who's now 11 and a half, um, because he forced me to deal at a much deeper level. And that's where trauma lives. It's so deeply buried. It's so primal that it takes, it takes some pretty serious work to to really get in there and dig around and try and 
get past it. You know, it's so interesting you say that because um, a, a long time ago, a client asked me, they had a dog that was a heavy duty anxiety case that was triggered, triggered aggression. So, I mean, you could almost see the flashbacks in this dog's eyes. And mm. she asked me, what was it that possessed me to continue coming to her home every week with a dog twice my size that was terrible? And I said, because I recognize terror and I've been him. And oh. and it changes you. I think, especially when you're dealing with aggressive dogs, um, that takes a certain type of person. Not everybody can do that and really get under the hood because like you realized, it, you walk on landmines and not you think everything's fine. And then you're like, oh my goodness, there it is. There's that trauma I forgot about. Yeah, no kidding. And um, oh, you know, there's so much in what you just said that I think so many people can relate to. You know, I've I have a theory that's based on nothing, but again, <laughs> no data whatsoever. But, but, and and maybe it's just the universal condition. But you know, but but I think being being damaged is is something that everybody can relate to. You know, all I of agree. us are damaged in some way because mm -hmm. if we're still alive, you know, yep. and we've got scars, and some of them are physical, and some of them are psychological. Although you know, that's all physical too, and right. that's partly why. It's so tricky to deal with, as um, obviously you well understand. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, sometimes I see, you know, I talk to dog trainers and I, I, I think there are a lot of dog trainers like you and me who, who had to fight a lot of fear in their own life. Mm -hmm. And they see these fearful dogs and it's just a part of us just recognizes it and reaches yep. out to them. I mean, like you, I've always felt so much empathy for, quote, aggressive dogs who were so clearly terrified. Yes. Um, and horses. I was always, I used to ride a lot. I love horses. and I have I two of always, my own. You're talking to me, you girlfriend. Do. I do. I have I'm two. I love jealous, them. Girlfriend, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. I love horses. And when I did ride, I was never a great rider. I was a good rider, but I was never a great rider. But I... I did better on the horses who were skittish. I mm -hmm. always did better on horses who were a little flighty and a little skittish. You empathize with and them. And so, and and I, you know, I see that in a lot of dog trainers when mm -hmm. I talk at dog training seminars. Don't you think? Sometimes I think some people are attracted to dog training because they have so much empathy for what many Trauma. dogs are going through because yep. they've been through it themselves. Yep. The lack of understanding, the lack of communication, the feeling lost in translation. In fact, you have a book called Lost in Translation, translation uh, which I read, uh, and I, it's it's so true. There's so many mixed messages, especially between canines and people, but even between each other. I mean, you think about talking to a neighbor, and you can have two different emotional responses to the same conversation. Oh, this whole communication thing is such... Um it's so complicated. I mean, on the one hand, here we have language, and it's just amazing what language gives us, right? I mean, Correct. I honestly think that is what defines that. That's the that's what makes us unique is this ability to use language to communicate in so much depth and and about the future and the past. And I mean, it's amazingly wonderful. But I think it makes us think we're better at it than we are. <laughs> False sense of you know, security. I mean, just, just communicating with a loved one 
is, I mean, it's not easy, no. right? And, you know, I'm, I'm in a meditation class right now, and communicating with yourself is actually the hardest thing to do. You know, getting to a meditative oh, state, oh. I, I call my show, obviously, is called Ask Your Dog Guru. And I always am telling people, you know, relax, find peace in your home, find peace within your life. But what I'm really telling people is if you don't have inner peace, there's no balance anywhere. And um, I think it translates to animals and I think it translates to the people we have in our lives. I think it's, it's, it's something that anyone can experience and does, whether they talk about it or not. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think, don't you think I'm, that, I'm not the first to say this, but so many of us love dogs because mm-hmm. they don't seem to have the monkey minds you right. know, <laughs> of the constant thinking and the, you know, the undisciplined thinking mind that just leaps from one topic to another constantly right. rather than actually being in the present. And, and, you know, we don't know what's going on in the mind of a dog, but I, you know, I think we can all agree that we're pretty darn sure that they don't have the kind of mental mess <laughs> yeah, that's that true. we do, that they are way better at being in the present than we are. And I think that's part of why we love them. I mean, they, they're just, you know, they're, they're this beautiful link. I see this, I see them as this link between us and the rest of nature in a way, you know, which we become more and more and more divorced from. Yes. And so dogs are like the ambassadors. <laughs> you know, they're like, they talk about translation, you know, they're these wonderful ambassadors um, that link us to the rest of nature, but still seem to put up with us and understand us and and provide a portal for us to, to without have, denying our humanity. Well, and I think, you know, you get to a point, I've had so many owners over the years ask me, well, do you, did you ever get to a point where you were ready to call it quits on a dog of your own, a client? And I said, you know, it's an interesting question. And the answer will always in my heart be no. Because I wouldn't want someone to quit on me. So I was relentless in trying to find a solution to what seemed to be an, um, on the surface an impossible problem that really just required, you know, somebody who, who could do the homework and, and really get to know the individual in front of them instead of characterizing in a generalization. And I think, you know, when I when I was re- reading excerpts of your book, and I'm so sad I haven't read the whole thing yet, but, um, you know, Oh, I love that you were so, thank you so much for being so honest. It's a rare radio interview or a podcast interview who actually admits to the fact that you just can't keep up with the fire hose of books that come at you. I, I've time. read every, every other every book you have. I have them all. <laughs> In fact, I've been pushing them on our uh, group a lot because they are phenomenal reads, all of them. But I, what I liked about this book is that, and what really resonated with me as a reader, is for the first time I felt like someone was talking to me about me. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and, and realizing that challenges like that can be overcome. Mm. And you, you really, in an eloquent way, put all of that out on the table, which is a brave thing. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene in the book um, that I actually never read in a reading because I'd start crying if I did. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a scene where Willie is at his worst, basically. He's an adolescent. Um, he's behaviorally at his worst. Mm-hmm. He's triggering all this stuff in me because he's so reactive to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always leaving. His startle response is just off the charts. Um, and then he had this sh- serious injury that required this tremendous amount of time and care. And I was just literally physically and emotionally and cognitively exhausted. 
exhausted. And I, and I sat down with my staff and said, okay, we need to like treat me like a client here. We need to talk about what's the best thing for me to do. Right. Cause I will say that I, I've had, I've had quite a few clients who the way to not give up on their dog was to realize I cannot be the right home for this dog. Right. I and that is a tough thing. Needs, yes. And I can't provide it. Right. And I've done that. You know, I, yep. I had a dog I absolutely adored and it broke my heart, but I found him another home and he was so happy Yep. <clears throat> and it was so much the right thing to do. But so with Willie, I have this conversation with my staff. I decide I'm going to stick with it for another three months. And if we don't, if if I don't feel like we're the best team, me and Willie, and then the I will figure out what else to do. And I didn't know what that was because he was so bad at the time. I, you know, well, well, what is that really? And <laughs> so I'm leaving the office and Willie has a shoulder injury so he can't jump into the car. And I put him on a sit-stay and I'm lugging out the ramp and I'm putting the ramp up and I... Willie's on the sit stay and I look around and, and, and so now I'm going to start crying. His, his face is, he's just, first of all, he's shaking. It's so hard for him to stay on a sit stay. He's just, he's quivering. It was like, I, and, and he has this look about him that like, I want to be the best dog in the world. And I, and it's so hard for me when I'm trying so hard. And I looked at that and I just saw me, yep. you know, I just saw this dog who had all this fear inside, but who was trying so hard. Yep. And the I beauty said, and the imperfection. I, I said, I will, I will, I will, Willie. I will move heaven and earth to try and help us both. And so that was this turning point, you know, where I just like, I have to heal myself before I can heal you. Yeah, I had a my very first dog um, that started and that kicked all of this off um, was a dog that couldn't handle a single person being in his presence without attacking them. Uh, and he was quite, pretty agile. He could scale a person's body really quickly. And, and Ooh. I mean, he was real scary about it. And I had no experience. I, this is my first dog. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and wow. and so for though, and it's in those moments that I feel that we become more human and humbled because, you know, it's just like having a new baby. You don't know what you're in for sometimes. You know, I, I, I worked with countless owners. And I'm sure you have too, that, you know, they ended up saddled with a case that, could have been out of their wheelhouse. And like you said, sometimes the best call is the hardest call to make, you know, and right. say, this yeah. is, I, to be yeah. objective, this isn't the right home. I can't provide all that this dog needs. Um, but man, is it hard to do that. It is, it is. And I, you know, I've, I have to say, I've seen so many cases where people did that and are so grateful afterwards. Right, you know? especially when they see that the dog is better have- settled. It, it, well, exactly. The dog is like, you know, just flourishing. And, yeah. You know, the family who has five kids under the age of eight and the dog is super shy and fearful and sound sensitive and movement sensitive. Right. <laughs> just too many triggers. Yeah. <laughs> and goes to live with Aunt Carolyn, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, figuring out who they are and figuring out what they want. I see that as our job. Yeah. Um. I've actually said exactly that. You have to appeal to their greed. You have to find out what they need emotionally, what makes them tick, what fulfills them so that you can bring out the best in them. Do you feel like the, when you were consulting with clients that the pressure was on because it was like all or nothing and if, if you couldn't come up with the solution that all would be lost because you were like their last ditch effort? <laughs> it is a lot of pressure. I think, um, you know, I... I 
I don't know how many people, and I expect this has happened to a lot of the dog trainers who are listening and to you too, is that people imagine our lives, um, apply, you know, animal behaviorists and professional dog trainers as sort of spending our days running through fields of daisies with golden retriever puppies. You know, I think that, so. I that, think that's don't, true. Right? You know, it's like, how many people said, oh, I wish I could do what you do. You know, I just, I love to do what you do. And, and, and they well may, and I would never mm-hmm. discourage anybody. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, it can be brutal. I mean, I was yeah. prepared to work with dangerous dogs. I was prepared to be in danger. I didn't want to, believe me, I'm a complete coward. I did not want to get bitten or hurt. I hated it when it happened. Um, didn't happen very often because I was cautious and, you, you know, knew what you're looking at. Stupid. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's key. If you are listening. Very, yeah. very respectful. If you ever think about going into this field, you don't put pressure where there is pressure. You have to read body language in the situation and energy. And and I feel like if you don't do that, you're going to be more likely to be a chew toy than a trainer. (laughs) And set a dog back. Yes, absolutely. Insult to injury. You know, and and devastate the owners. You know, the, the, the... few times I, I can think of three times in 25 years where I was bitten and um in two of the cases the owners were devastated you mm-hmm. know I, I think they felt like if you know if my dog bits bites her that you know they were devastated yeah. um in, an, in another case the man actually thought it was funny it was it was literally Ugh. pathological it was Ugh. it was yeah, it was not a pretty case. But so, but so back to this job being potentially brutal. Mm-hmm. The brutal part that I didn't expect was the emotional part. Was right. having having a fireman sit in my office sobbing with his heart broken because the Labrador he's had for nine years that is his best friend just bit his stepdaughter who's only one and they're talking about you know whether to get rid of the dog and then you know and he's got it it's it's a hard job it's it a is. really hard job it takes I, um, I always used to say I'm a counselor before I'm a trainer for both of you yeah for the yeah, dog and the owner yeah. because you know I used to sit in on consults and you would just see their hearts unravel and you you really I think you need to empathize with that because we've all been in positions where we were out of our depth. And I think it's a gift to their animal that they reach out for somebody who is qualified, who can help them. Um, But, you know, that feeling of restlessness and hopelessness, I think, has touched every dog owner at some point who's dealt with specifically aggression or anxiety. Well, and even a new dog, you know, um, one of one of my favorite booklets of the ones that I've written I wrote with Karen London who's another certified applied animal behaviorist she has the same kind of academic background that I do and she's a friend and colleague Mm -hmm. we wrote a book called Love Has No Age Limit about bringing a new dog into your house that's not a puppy because there are very few books that talk about bringing in an adolescent or an older dog that you've got from a neighbor or a rescue or humane society and one of the most important things we talk about is, is, is buyer's remorse is the absolute terror that sets in to everybody, us included, when we bring a new animal into our house. And then, you know, and then three days later, think, what was I thinking? And and the fear you, (laughs) right, we all have been there. We've all been there. And the fear, you know, so 
very often they're like great for the first three days because they're completely shut down. So they're, <laughs> they're so really unadjusted, drain and they're subdued, and yeah, and they're like so well behaved. And then they they get more comfortable, and the real dog comes out, and then they chew or they pee or they do this or they that or they start yes, barking at the window. <laughs> and 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 then you think, oh no, and you're like, I what did I agree this? to? <laughs> what was I thinking? And the thing is, is if it happens to me and Dr. London and you, mm-hmm. you know it happens to everyone. Happens to everyone. In fact, it happened and to me recently. I just, I, I had to retire my, my 17-year-old service dog has been waiting for a oh, replacement for a while. Wow. And uh, I finally found one. And again, perfect dog, first three days, just like you said. And then the other shoe dropped and we had the real puppy and I mean, he's a phenomenal dog but you know like anybody else I, I would be lying if i said i didn't have human moments where i go oh my goodness just one more day just make it through the day because i have a young kid yeah, too make it through the day. yeah it's yeah so true yeah just make it through the day and and don't get lost in this you know your fears can just create all these stories you know yes. you instantly go to your dog barked at a visitor and like you know and your brain is already like, they're going to be aggressive to everybody and it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> you know? Yeah, jumping to conclusions, I think, it, yeah, I think is a bit, I actually had somebody write into the show last week and they were talking about how their dog has never had an incident of aggression, but somebody basically kind of inflicted themselves on the dog. And I said, well, the dog was being a dog. I mean, I'm not justifying a, an aggressive response, but I am just saying there is a context in which this happened. It's not like you're always in that position. Exactly. Doesn't mean and he's about to eat the kids. And and that's, um, I think that's such an important point you're making, that aggression is not aggression is not aggression. It's not one big, huge thing. And so I can't tell you how many clients I work with who had a dog who killed a rabbit in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And they come in to me because they have a young child and they're afraid the dog's going to attack a young child. Right. Well, it's certainly possible that those two things could go together, but there's nothing inherent that makes that link. Mm-hmm. So so you watch the dog with a kid and they're like, you know, a semi-stuffed dog. They're like the perfect dog. It's like, right. I love kids. I adore kids. And, you know, it's usually so context dependent and so specific and... When it's un- unpredictable, obviously that's when it's hardest. When you know the more context and the less predictability, that makes the prognosis more and more challenging. Well, and actually, on that note, do you ever feel that you know um, complexity can be in perception? So you know, you and I could look at the same case and have completely different takes on the exact same dog in the exact same home with the exact same owner. And while we might see similarities, you think about it. Okay, so if I were to just meet with a client. And they are telling me that the dog is about to charge the neighborhood and and the world. And I come in there and I go, oh, he's just barking at the door. He doesn't know what to do. I mean, what can seem to be one thing to an owner and and could, you know, eventually be a problem may not be the elephant in the room that they feel it is. Um, which and, is one of the, the reasons yeah. I used to go to homes because, you know, I would oh, be told yeah. about the killer dog. I'd get there and, you know... Fido would be fine. <laughs> the owner needed more consoling than the dog. <laughs> I think, you know, house calls for those of us who have done them, they're a horrible way to make a living, frankly. Oh, yeah. Thinking about it. They are time sucks. 
they cost a fortune, but they are so valuable. They are. You know, they're we do them for so the dog, not valuable. for us. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, it just, I just found them to be absolutely invaluable. My ideal, my ideal, what I actually found ideally, and I couldn't always do this, but ideal is I would actually meet with clients in my office mm-hmm. and, and do an intake get a little sense of it with the dog, do a sense of the dog, mm-hmm. talk to them about what's going on, what they want. And then oh, a week later, mm-hmm. I would go to their house. And and I found that to be just absolutely invaluable because sometimes, because you know, it goes both ways. I mean, sometimes you'd find like, you know, well, this dog is certainly rude at the door, but I'm a- not, you know, but this, 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 you know, this is just, yeah, you, yeah, you go to house calls, like, well, the rude, you know, dog's a little rude when visitors come to the door, but, you know, he's a little, this is about politeness. This is not about, about uh, potential aggression, but then you often see the opposite, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Absolute things that aren't opposite. things that are things. <laughs> you know, these two dogs get along fine and you're like, oh, well, they do don't like see- each other. Do you see how Freddie is actually hiding all yeah. the time yep. away from oh, Maggie? Oh, but they're best you know? friends. <laughs> they're best <laughs> right. friends. So, yeah. So, yeah. that can. I just think they're invaluable. I really do. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, to your point, I, I used to tell clients, I'm not doing this for me. This is, it, it's exactly like you said. It is. A, it was a time suck, but it gave me such a different picture. And I told the owner, I said, you know, you're never going to be more comfortable than you are in your own home. And your dog is never going to be more themselves than they are there. Um, Now, some of the other behaviors that we would walk into in, like, say, a public format, you know, if you take them out on a walk and you see all of a sudden Fido becomes, you know, has a Jekyll and Hyde moment, you know, that can be really telling, too, because then you know where the the programming and the, the reprogramming needs to take place, where you can start educating the owner on how to reach the dog. Right, right. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So now moving into the the stage of your career that you're in now, I know you're still, obviously you're still writing and um, you're going to be speaking again. So on your website, you have an event section that people can check out, correct? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of speaking in Wisconsin right now. Um, um, I love libraries, so I have a lot of talks at libraries, a lot of book festivals oh, for the rest that. of 218. Yeah, I'm speaking in Philly, actually, Philadelphia, the end of March. Are you coming to Florida anytime soon, perhaps? <laughs> Is that where you are? I, I am. am not. Oh, I am not. I was just there. Oh. I was just in Tampa at the um, American Writers and Writing Program Conference in Tampa. I was just there. I was. Well, now if I'm not. you ever spin back down here, look at, look us up. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so in the meantime, um, you know, I was just thinking about owners and how we were talking about perception and things like that. You know, when you are talking, you know, specifically when you're talking about behavior, what are things that you feel would be, okay, now it's time. What would you say it's time to call a professional in this context? Without ever having, you know, known an individual case, like, do you think it's a bite that warrants the call? Is it when the owner starts feeling stressed? Do you feel like it's the very beginning before there's a problem? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say, I would, well, first of all, the earlier, the better, Mm -hmm. just like in medicine, right? You know, with behavioral issues, always, always the earlier, the better. And I, boy, I have a really biased perspective. Um. If people can afford it and they have good resources in their area, 
I would say always. <laughs> you know, I've I've known so many people who had really good dogs, and they're really good people, and they've had dogs before, and we were just in casual conversation, or I was over their house for brunch, and I just mentioned one thing, and they're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I had no idea we could, you know. That's just safe, you know. So, <clears throat> So the ideal answer is always. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. least once always. Most but problems can be headed off. Yeah. Just by some education I mean, on both sides. I mean, it's just like medicine. Prevention, prevention, prevention. So, 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 so there's that. But, but then otherwise, I would say, you know, just don't wait. Anytime you start feeling like it would be great to have a coach. I mean, basically... That's what I saw myself as. I would tell people, I don't use the word counselor because I don't want to step on toes. So I would, I would <laughs> yeah. basically say, I would, I would basically say, I'm your coach. And the best athlete in the world still has a coach. Right. And I have my own coaches. You know, nobody can know everything that they're doing um, without somebody looking from the outside in. Right. And so, so anytime you feel like it would be so great to have on somebody who's my coach, who's on my team, who's there for me to help me through this issue, then that's the time. That's, I love that answer. I love that answer because I feel, and, and I feel that, you know, if you're, if anybody is listening to this show, um, and I'm, I appreciate anybody who does listen to it, I'm always astounded that people tune in. Um, but I know a lot of people were really interested in your book. Um, and, I think it's the first one that it's like I said, it's the first one where you, you like take down the barriers and you unveil something that you didn't have to. And as, as somebody who's read what I've read so far, that reached me. Um, and I've read lots. I've read so much. I'm so tired, <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like that, that this book, this one and the other end of the leash, I, I, I'm going to recommend to every single person. Every single person oh, needs to read those books. A hundred percent. Um, uh, and, and, you know, continue following Patricia. I'm going to keep pushing her <laughs> because, uh, just phenomenal. You're a phenomenal author and speaker. And I'm so I'm honored that you had the time to fit me in today or at all. You're so sweet. Hey, I have, I don't want to go over your time too much. I actually have a, a request. I have a favor. We yes, haven't talked about this. Okay. So, so this is an authentic question, meaning any answer is fine. Okay. Could I read a section from the book? Yes, I would love that. Oh, thank you. All right, it's, it's you know, maybe two minutes or so. Take All your right. time. Okay. It is hard to send your dog to gather sheep you cannot see. It is one thing to send him down into a valley where you watch as he flows through the grass in a wide open circle to the other side of the flock. It's another thing entirely to send them over a hill's rise and watch him sink out of sight towards sheep that are not in view. When your little dog disappears, it feels so sudden. First you follow his black and white body as it arcs through the green, becoming smaller and smaller as he runs. Then poof, abracadabra, there's nothing there but grass and sky. It takes determination to stay quiet in the emptiness that remains, to stare at the rolling hills and spiky grass with nothing but jazz riffs of a bluebird to accompany you in your sudden sense of isolation. But willpower is not enough to keep you waiting alone in the emptiness. It takes faith that your dog will do his work without you beside him. It takes forgiveness if you haven't yet brought him up to the task. And so you wait, 
forcing yourself to stay still, to let what happens happen, eyes straining for the sign that the sheep have been found and are gathered together, moving back towards you in a semblance of order. You stand and you wait, feet shifting, eyes focused on the point where you think they just should appear. Finally, much later than you think it should be, you see the top of a woolly head and then a nose rising up from behind the curve of the hill. And then you see them all, the leader's ears flicking forward and back, chin up, eyes wide and alert. Behind them is your little dog, steady and true, focused on nothing but bringing you the flock, easing them towards you carefully, lest they panic and dart for the woods. Closer and closer they come, and now they are closer still, right beside you, their eyes deep and round, so close that you can almost touch them. That's it. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. I just want to say to everybody that this including you of course this has been the highlight of my career i've been in this business for my entire life and reading your first book inspired a whole journey so i just want you are so kind to say that that's you know that is just music to an author's ears and you know anybody's ears so thank you that's so kind and i love what you're doing this is just such a great format i love Hi to everybody out there listening. I love being able to be on your show. Keep up the good work, girl. Thank you so much. If you guys want to find Patricia, patriciamcconnell.com. Do check out her event section and all of these, uh, all of this information and so much more will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Just a couple of announcements. The first is that we do have merchandise. Ask Your Dog Guru has its own store, so you can get phone cases and mugs and shirts and pretty much anything your heart desires. So if you love the show and you want to support us and get something back, this is a great way to do it. So if you're interested in that, a link will be in our post today and in the show notes as usual. If you want to get in touch with me or have a question for the show, you can email me at dogguruhereforyou at gmail.com. That's dogguruhereforyou at gmail.com. And then we do have the Dog Guru Hounds Facebook group. So look us up on Facebook. And we, of course, have a show page and an Instagram. So make sure you're following us there. So grateful that Dr. McConnell was able to share with us today. If you're in the Midwest, definitely look her up and see her speak. She is just an absolute joy. I know you'll love her. You've already heard her, so go meet her in person. Our next episode of Ask Your Dog Guru is going to be all about listener questions. So if you have some and you've been kind of on the fence about writing into the show, now is the time because I'm still gathering our last minute cases. So I would love it if you wanted to contribute and tell me about your dog. I hope everybody has had a fantastic week and continues to do so. Every single day, I am warmed and humbled by this experience and by all of our listeners who write in and share their amazing dogs with me every single day. So thank you to all of you guys. Keep it coming. Love being involved. That's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste.
You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.